Hey, you are listening to the Grumpy Guy BJJ podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? Got to take care of a few things before we jump into this week's episode. First, our ramping isometrics for BJJ program. It is a 12-week program all laid out for you. It's going to help you build strength and cardio in the fastest, safest, and most convenient way possible. This is how James and I have been training for the past year, and we love it. So we put this program together so you can just follow along, and we are certain you will see and feel the benefits that we do. It's only 15 bucks. Just go to GrumpyGuyBJJ.com, click the drop-down menu in the upper right-hand corner, and you'll find it. Next, R3. Is this is our K2 D3 supplement. It is a combination combination of those two vitamins D3 and K2. These are two vitamins that James and I have been taking for a long time that really help us recover from hard training sessions. And for only 15 bucks with free shipping, you get a whole month supply. I was going to pull up some studies explaining the benefits of D3 and K2, but I'm not going to insult your intelligence and pretend to be a fucking scientist. I take it it helps me recover. That's it. So for 15 bucks, check it out. And last but certainly not least, we have partnered up with Dejitsu.com. They have a ton of awesome BJJ instructionals, and they have hooked us up with a discount code for our listeners. It's Grumpy10. So what you got to do is you go to Dejitsu.com, which is D-I-G-I-T-S-U.com. Find the instructionals you want, throw them in a shopping cart, in the little discount code box, you type in Grumpy10, which is just G-R-U-M-P-Y, and the number 10, one zero. That's it. No spaces. Boom. You get 10% off. You're up and running. They got a nice app you can download on your phone. That way you can take your instructions right to the gym with you, watch the technique, drill it. It's a pretty sweet setup. So once again, D-I-G-I-T-S-U.com, discount code Grumpy10, G-R-U-M-P-Y, one zero. Simple as that. To find all this stuff I just got done talking about, go to our website, grumpyguybjj.com. Click the drop-down menu in the upper right-hand corner. There, you'll subscribe to our newsletter for podcast updates. You'll find links for the Ramping ISOs program, the R3 Recovery Supplement, and then under the Programs and Products tab, you'll find a link to dejitsu.com. And let's be honest, if you guys can't figure out how to navigate a website by now, there's nothing I can do to help you. So quit fucking around. Check it out, train hard, and let's get into this week's episode. And here we go. Okay, back once again. A, once again. Ox is licking himself. It's a good way to start a podcast. Start out the podcast with that noise. That's right. That's what fucking podcast months before. Yeah, on my first official episode today of The Skeptic and the Pastor. Yes. That's right. With me and Paul Espinoza. Your new new podcast. My new podcast venture. Yes. Um very early on in the podcast, my podcast month, Frank decided to drink half a bowl of water. <laughs> <laughs> just try daily water. Just try daily water. So he's just just slapping up the water. So Aka does that too. He just he decides it's time to drink and yeah. It's like twice a day. Drinks yeah. as much as he can possibly hold. <laughs> Until his stomach hurts. Yeah. It doesn't seem like an efficient way to do it, but no. whatever. I don't Man, think dogs worry about efficiency. No. I remember that from, uh, I read, I can't remember the name of the book, but it was basically Lawrence of Arabia's uh, biography, uh-huh. like kind of his memoirs of his whole scene. And that was like one of the takeaways was like the Bedouins, like the, the Arab desert people. 
Like their thing was like, yeah, you come to a watering hole and you drink until you can't fucking possibly drink anymore. And then you don't fucking drink at all until you get to the next Water source. watering source, which may be a, a day or two or more away. Huh. So you're saying that's how the hardcore ones would do it. You know, you would, the regular people would just drink up and then fill their canteens and stuff. But it was like the real better ones. Like they would fucking just drink as much as they could and then just go without until they got to the next watering <laughs> hole so huh, that's, that's what appears dogs do it is man yeah so it became my uh thing for z when we would go out hiking and uh we wouldn't have water and i'd tell him i was like you gotta drink like an arab bro fill it up you gotta drink till you can't till your freaking teeth are gonna float and uh so yeah that's my, that was my takeaway. I always get like one takeaway from every book I read. Sometimes they're really weird and not exactly what the author intended. But that was my takeaway from Lawrence of Arabia's Adventure. <laughs> I'm sure that's what he was reading <laughs> that book. Speaking of books, dude, so I finished Shogun. James Clavel's Shogun. Congratulations. 1,300-page novel. Yeah. I was so disappointed in the end of that. Oh, really? I was so pissed at the end of that book. I haven't. I don't know. So anticlimactic. I don't know if he left it like that on purpose, so you want to read the next one because I believe it's called the Asian Saga. Oh, there are yeah. several books in that saga, and I'm pretty sure they were all equal in length. And so that being said, that James Clavell was a wordy son of a bitch. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I mean, there were sections of that book that were really good. They were page turner type. Like, oh, I can't wait to. But then there was just big sections that were just, why are we reading about this? Chunks of text that are hard to digest. Yeah, and then, but I was committed. And then the end, once I got within, because they were leading up to it, spoiler alert, it's, it's an older book, so whatever. I'm sure not many people are going to read this thing. It was leading up to this huge battle. This took place in 1600 feudal Japan. Oh. And they were leading up to this huge battle. So I, you would think the end of the book would, you know, the pinnacle of it would be a bunch of stuff about this huge battle. Like, they led up to it and all, like, the psychological shit that yeah. the, the head, one of the head Japanese dudes on one side, he was, like, one of the main characters. All the little tweaking and conniving he was doing to manipulate people and factions, that was a huge part of the story. And it was tying up all those loose ends. Yeah. And then it was over. And then they had one paragraph that said, you know, because the story ended the day before the war started. And then you turn the... That was it. The end. You turn the page and there's one paragraph that says, you know, the, the war started on this day, this year of the goat or whatever, you know, yeah. how they do it. And the hour of the no God or some ridiculous thing. Tens of thousands of people died. This guy won and became the Shogun. And that's it. Hmm. Like you... Was that the battle that made Musashi was in? Like the, the one where they so. sieged? No, I, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm not saying that. just like, I mean, if it was a historical... No, the, dude, this is... Like, loosely based on historical... Uh, the only thing true about that I, to the best of my knowledge in this book, is yeah. the sailor, the James Blackthorn. I think yeah. it was James. Jim Blackthorn or something. Uh, Blackthorn was his name. That was it. Like, he was a, a historical figure. Yeah. That he was an English sailor that shipwrecked, ended up like Japan. the dates and all, like, the other stuff. The rest the is events. all loose interpretation, okay. to the best of my yeah. knowledge. I mean, it, it, it was interesting. Yeah. It was a good challenge for me. But a bullshit ending. 
Well, it's about the journey, my friend, not the destination. Yeah. So <laughs> I am not jumping on board to read the next one in that saga anytime too soon. Anytime yeah. too soon. Huh. Fucker. That's too bad. I like a movie, like the old fucking bird box. You get to the end and you're like, what? I kind of like that movie. I know. We, we discussed this. <laughs> I don't see there you. There were like, a few giant plot holes. I don't see you liking too many movies. I, I can't see you being the type of guy that can suspend disbelief just to be entertained. No, I can't. That's the funny thing. Like, you know, The Mandalorian, we we're talking about that. Like, I love that see, shit. I, can't, I cannot get into the love fucking that. I Dude, can't get into Star Wars shit. I love it. I wonder The why. Clone Wars, oh my god, when the Clone Wars were like some of those the best episodes of the Clone Wars was like the like the pinnacle of the Star Wars universe, man. Love that shit. It's fun. Love it. So no, I totally can. But it's like I guess to me it's uh how serious are you taking yourself? Right? So um I don't know, like, how to put it, like, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, like, those old spaghetti westerns? Uh-huh. Dude, they're fucking really good. Are they taking themselves super seriously? I don't think so. No, not really. I mean, they are, but they're not. You know what I mean? And so that's why you can just be like, it's just been, you know, yeah, man, I'm into this shit. I love those fucking, those westerns. And, uh, it's like, same thing with the Star Wars universe, man. You know, like, I don't think they're trying to take themselves too seriously. But then you get movies that try to take themselves seriously, and that's when you're just like, all right, now we're going to have to show you why you're not serious. <laughs> that's too funny. Yeah. <clears throat> so, no, I don't know. I, I, uh, I, you know me, I tend to come on into things skeptical to begin with. So it's like looking for plot holes. And as long as they're not big, then I'm okay. But the two, like, there was the two giant ones for me. It was like, so these fucking things can't go inside. Get the fuck out of here. Open door. Doesn't matter. You know what I mean? They can't go inside. All right. And then they can't physically touch you. So why the fuck are you running away from them at the end? All right. As long as you don't look at them. Like they can make all the noise and do all the shit that they want. But I thought they couldn't hurt you. So yeah, why are you running? Why are you running from them? You should just be able to stroll. Yeah. Just like stroll with your blindfold on and a walking stick in front of you. Exactly. So you don't run into stuff. It's like, because that's what they want you to do. They want you to panic and do something to take your blindfold off or whatever. So running through the woods, which we'll let that one go. (laughs) Just, (laughs) you know. Yeah. Can you imagine picking Z up? Running through the disc golf course blindfolded and doing it successfully. No. No, no, not you, at all. You would go about 50 feet before you twisted an ankle. 50 feet if I'm lucky, man. Yeah, yeah no, it would not work well. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, I, that one I was willing to give them because, you know, they, they didn't, they try to touch on it, but if you, you know, that they spent time training to live in the world blindfolded. So, okay, they've got a heightened sense. Maybe they, that's why I'm like, oh, we'll let that one go. Maybe you do learn how to run through the woods. I mean, if you do it every day, you're going to have to get better at it. I mean, like jujitsu, right? I mean, fuck, you show up every day, that armbar's got to get better, doesn't it? (laughs) Doesn't it? (laughs) One one would hope. (laughs) One would hope. One would hope. I've seen people. And then there's some examples. I have some examples that prove me wrong. And that's the thing, man. You do it long enough and you realize, like, all right. Yeah, if you show up, like, eventually, like, you can't help but get better, but that only lasts for about a year yeah that strategy <laughs> yeah that's a long-term strategy right right for improvement you gotta have some better strategy after that as long as you have something you know jiu-jitsu will reward some sort of effort and strategy usually but yeah just showing up and doing it you'll pick some stuff up 
But, uh, but anyways, so that was my take on it. She, uh, Kelly actually watched it with Shiloh. I forgot to ask her what she thought about it. Where is she? Shiloh! Yeah. Come here. Wait, we're doing movie review with Shiloh. Okay. Oh. <laughs> How was the bird box? Oh. So come on in. Let's hear your, your 14-year-old interpretation of it. I feel like it had a really good start and a really good idea, but they did just try to wrap it up really quickly, and a lot of stuff didn't really make a whole lot of sense because of that. So she was poisoned by my opinion before she watched it. So I will say. Yeah, that. I was. I was gonna ask that. I was like, did your dad share his opinion before you watched it? Well, there's. I don't. Know, I feel like it could be a really good like book series or something. Like it could really go like kind of far like but a walking dead style you know yeah. i think you know what that is i think that is indicative to the way we are fed our entertainment nowadays because you read a lot shiloh mm -hmm. so you're used to stories that build a lot of detail yeah. and then you watch a movie that they got to wrap up in 90 minutes or even two hours yeah you can't get very involved mm -hmm. they just ex expect you to piece things together mm -hmm. and you're coming up in a day and age to where not only do you read but shows you watch your 10-part series yeah and five, so they can build and build and build so i think that's a little different yeah it yeah. I agree with that. But it wasn't a bad movie, though. No, it wasn't. I wouldn't say it was no. bad. No. No, it wasn't. I mean... It's it interesting. Old girl's character was yeah, a horrible human being. Yeah, I did not like Sandra Bullock? Yeah. At all. Yeah, that character was a horrible person. Why do you say she was a horrible... Because she didn't name the kids? She well, just that's them, fucking... She just called them boy and girl. Dude, what? Yeah. That's pretty she rotten. Was, she was the epitome of the self-involved, uh, empowered, modern woman. <laughs> yep. Am I wrong? No. Like she was the epitome of it. Like that was, you know what I mean? Like that was it. She had her her career, and it was like her. She was very, you know, she, you single know, mother. You know, self involved and single mother. But it was this like pain in the ass, and you know, she wasn't wanting to deal with it because it was a pain in the ass and inconvenient. It was an inconvenience to her lifestyle. Yeah, the kid was an inconvenience to her mm -hmm. lifestyle. And and then that you know like I said and that just seemed to me seemed to be indicative of her overall attitude, and then just how she you know carried on in the uh, in the rest of the movie. Yeah. So she wasn't very sympathetic at all. I mean, like, she had those moments where you're like, okay, you're not evil, like you're not mm -hmm. Hitler, right? Like, okay, yeah. you'll make the fat girl feel good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like after, but it's uh, yeah, the whole boy and girl thing, and just very. Like, this whole thing is just really inconvenient for me. <laughs> and it's like, really? Okay. That was my added. That, that's how I took it. I it can see like, that. She, mm -hmm. You know, she was, she was concerned about the other people, but it was mainly like, this is really inconvenient. I had plans. Yeah. I had plans for the weekend. I can see that, and I can also say that, and I think you thought a lot about this movie. I just totally watched it on the surface. It was pretty entertaining. <laughs> I left it at that. Well, yeah. I did not think... But you don't... When you're watching the characters, you're not, like, trying to get inside their head and be like, who is this person? Like, what's their motivation? Like, where are they from? When I watch that movie, I do not recall doing that. Mm. I do do that with certain movies. Certain movies I just check out and watch. Like, okay, I'm not going to try to analyze this. I'm no. not... I'm not... I'm not... I mean, you know, there's that happens. I'm not Aristotle time time. here. I just want to watch this movie. But usually I like to try to see if I can figure out what's going inside their head like what's going on how are they seeing this you know what's going on inside Sandra Bullock's head is that fat ass paycheck yep and she's just nailing that role yeah that's what she's that's what's yeah. going on inside yep. her head yep no, no, no. That's, how, that's how I saw it like, yep 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, how do you sleep with yourself at night? On a pile of money with many beautiful ladies. That's right. Screaming <laughs> in my pile of money, I rest like a million bucks. Everything you need to know you learn from The Simpsons, man. So, Or, or South, Seinfeld. Or, or South Park. South Park's I've been reinventing yeah. my love for South Park. Yeah. That is a fantastic show. It is a fantastic I show. I forget. And then I start watching it again. I'm like, it's why so don't smart. I watch this more so often? Well done. Yeah. It's such a good one. I think Shadow should start watching South Park. You're prepared. Most of them. Am Probably. I? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're prepared. They're pretty foul. But there's not they're not any more foul than we are around her. Yeah, you're not gonna there's, there's nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The most yeah. recent episode was called Turd Burglars. It was yeah. about uh fecal transplants. I know, though. <laughs> Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poo. I've been yeah. aware of him for a couple of years. It was pretty, the fecal transplant turd burglar episode was pretty entertaining. I'm sure. <laughs> you can only imagine. I'm, I can. My, yeah, I love where they fucking figured out they could shove food up their ass and then poop out their mouth. I don't know oh, my God. We've been doing it backwards this whole time. They just go, Rah! This one's just as ridiculous. <laughs> Yes, they're not afraid of poop. No, <laughs> it's a cool. funny premise. I guess so. Yeah. No. All right. Well, that's all our movie entertainment. All right. Stuff. So. Glad I could help with that. Okay. All right. See. All right. Thanks, Shadow. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So fun to your talk. <laughs> yeah. I'm more of a movie review topic, dude. I like old mob stuff. There was a point, a period in my life, like, I don't know. Eight, nine years ago, I got really into like organized crime and mob and the union roots, you know, you know, Jimmy Hoffa and stuff like that. There was this guy I read about, uh, Frank Sharan, Sharon, I'm not saying his name wrong. I, I know his first, I'm pretty sure his first name was Frank Sharon. Anyways, he was an old mob hitman. And one of my, uh, buddies grew up in Boston and was a union rep in Boston, like retired union rep. Moved here, was working at the jail with me, and so he was balls deep in that world. Oh, yeah. Because that's, that's a crooked rule yeah. world, and he, he turned me on to a lot of it. Well, he turned me on to this book. The name of the book is called I Heard You Paint Houses, because that was their lingo. Like, if they wanted this guy to go murder somebody, they'd call him up say, hey, I got your name from Joey. He said, you paint houses. He's like, oh, yeah, I do all my own house painting. And that, that was their code, so... Yeah. There's a new movie about him on Netflix called The Irishman. Okay. Ooh, dude, I just started watching it. It's good. Yeah. That's, that's a good story, man. Just about <laughs> him, that mob hitman and all the shit he did. Yeah, I love that shit. I, I could get way into that stuff. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but I love organized crime and just just the violent. But it's, it's a different type of violence. It's... I don't know how to put it. I don't know why it's different. It's not just like a serial killer violence that they're killing to kill. I, I mean, I think at a certain point, this guy probably did enjoy killing people. Yeah. As many people as he had to take care of. But it was just business. Right. Like, this guy's an inconvenience. He didn't pay us. He did this to this person. Like, we got to send a message. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, dude. The simplicity of it. I love it. I know. You know, I, I that's one of those things. Like, I love that shit too like it but on the other hand i have it just it feels so again i can't help but overanalyze shit right it's just a it's such a hopeless scene because once you're in you never get out Mm -hmm. 
There's no out. No, 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 no. There's no Pri- out. Prisoner death. Right, exactly. There's, there's like, like that's prison's the thing. not even out. You're reading this stuff, and you're like, and, and it's like, in the moment, you're like, you know, uh, but it's like, in the back of my mind, you know, I'm like, there's no way out for this dude. Nope. He's like, this is not like he's in the army being a sniper, and it's like, you okay, can't just tell your buddies you're out. Right, yeah, right. there's no out. Like, one, and, and once you, once, there's a certain line, once you cross it, that's it's it. like, you're in, and there's no out. I and, and it's they like, touch on that in a lot of those stories. Yeah. When you read the true accounts. Oh, no, they, I know. They, they touch on that. That's what makes it like, you know, it's, it's just too many of those things that have kind of like taken off the shine of like the old mob. Because, you know, we came up, you know, and it's like, you know, the old, you know, mobsters and Al Capone, Al Capone and all that. Yeah. Kind of had a little bit of a, you know, bad boy shine on them and being a mobster and you had the, the code and... Yeah, they didn't attack women and kids. Right, right, right. You know? Yeah, there was like a code honor. behind... Yeah, there was yeah. an honor code behind yeah. it or so they said, right? But it's just... It, with knowledge, you start to realize that that's not really it. Like, it's bullshit. Like, the honor is very fluid, you know, it's not like a hard honor code like you would have in the military. You know, it doesn't matter who you are, or what the situation is. Like honor is honor is fucking honor. And in this one, the, I don't, in this I, one, like, oh, you know, you were good for me last month, but now you're not so good. And so now this whole honor thing, you know, eh. Well, I think some of those old school mobsters in some interviews I've listened to. Again, I was balls deep in this for a while. There was that. Not now. Well, I know like, that's how they define it, and how they looked at it, right? Well, well, it wasn't like uh, I see what you're saying, but there was some hard rules that they would not cross. Oh yeah, they would not kill your children. They would not kill your wife. You know, they they took it out on you. Right. Is when that started changing. Is when uh, these mobsters, these gangsters from these Eastern European blocks started coming over. Mm-hmm. This is, this is again, uh, just one account, a couple accounts ever. That's where the game changed. Like, you get these Russian mobsters or some dudes from, like, Czechoslovakia and just random places. These dudes did not give a fuck. Yeah, they don't play by the rules. The they rules don't change. play by the same rules. Yeah. And they, and you know, they, because they, those are the guys that started to where if you didn't pay up or whatever, you cross them, they would leave you for, they, leave you alive as long as possible and just slowly just start taking apart your life one person at a time. Yeah. And just, they take a, one one person, like a cousin. Yeah, you might love your cousin, but then try to send a message. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, let's get his brother. You know, and start working his way up. Yeah. And just, just fuck with you like that. They'd take out your kid, your wife. They didn't care. You know, so that's when things started changing. Yeah. It was like when like the Russian mobsters and stuff got involved. Yeah, cultures, cultures class, yeah. man. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm reading about that, and um, I'm reading a book on Douglas MacArthur. He's, dude. There's, I'm convinced now. There's like, like Musashi and then Douglas MacArthur. Like those motherfuckers were like, they'd sit at the same table. Like that dude was a bad motherfucker. He's a crazy motherfucker, dude. I don't know if I told you he 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 led one of the regiments in World War One, right? So he's leading the men, okay. So he's, he's not, he doesn't have to be on the front lines leading them, but he's there to lead them. And he, he won't carry a fucking, he won't wear a helmet, he won't carry a gas mask, and he won't carry a gun. Because he's not there to fight. He's there to lead the dudes. But he's fucking charging in. He's like multiple fucking like, you know, cuts back and like, oh, bullet hole through here. You know, like crazy shit. And this dude was just. He was out there, man. He was convinced that he was born to be a warrior and he had a destiny and he lived his life that way. 
and it's uh it's pretty interesting man but anyways he they talk about how the war in the pacific that this happened i know it's actually dan carlin they were talking about because there's they're overlapping this book and the supernova in the east episode that i'm listening to by dan carlin like they overlap because they're both about the world war ii and the philippines and and the, and the war in the pacific and the lead up to it and stuff and you're talking about how you know over in europe you had a some rules of war right like if you surrendered like you stood a pretty good chance of making it to the end of the war right but then like the japanese had a completely different way of doing it and so they would you know, fucking kill prisoners or they would fake being dead. If they were uh, wounded, they would, you know, sit there and fake and wait for a medic to run up and help them and then pull a grenade and blow them all up. And so, like, they changed the rules and so it led to, like, a war without mercy was the way that they put it because, yeah, it's like, man, you know, these guys aren't playing by the same rules and now, well, we got to change the rules too. But in escalating that everybody's soul gets fucking tainted. Yep. So yeah, that's exactly what it is, man. It just takes one person who decides they're not going to play by the rules. And that changes it. It changes it, man. Yeah. It's funny how we don't realize how tenuous society really is. Cause it really is just a bunch of us all agreeing on the same rules. Mm-hmm. All it takes one person to say, you know what? I'm not following that rule. Yeah. Or a group of them. A group of them. And then there's, there's a country point or whatever, yeah. And then yeah. it's like it just fucking makes it hairy for everyone else. So, yeah, it's such a balancing act that we that we do. But, um, yeah, but yeah, that's uh, that's interesting, man, that old mob stuff. My grandma and grandpa were into that shit. The old Cosa Nostra. Mm-hmm. Oh, Italian yeah. Italian mafia yeah. and all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, but I've gone down that rabbit hole pretty deep, read quite a few books about it. And, that's funny, yeah. yeah. They would always be watching those movies and, yeah, the old Italian mobsters and the code and all that shit. Yeah, man, the stories my buddy would tell me. Because he was, like I say, he was a union rep in Boston, retired. So, I mean, he put 20 years in. And just the stories he had to t- like, Once I found that out, cause we had worked together for a little while at the sheriff's department, and then we ended up being on the same crew together. Yeah. <clears throat> so then we started talking. <clears throat> excuse me and uh i found this out and then dude i <clears throat> excuse me i just started getting story after story out of him about the different things they would do and i always knew and this may be ruffle some feathers but this was always my opinion and this just solidified it and he agreed with me that the union is really just organized crime at one point at one point they were really good yeah. they needed yes. they needed yes. it and there was a purpose for it i've talked yeah. about it on the show before but they got to a point to where there was just they hit that tipping point. They yep. just got too powerful, and it really just turned into they were just a big mob. Yeah. And yeah, he told me, dude, it was so many cool stories. Huh. Yeah. And they would fake negotiations, you know, <clears throat> like they would be, you know, so like say the UAW would go into strike, and then they would have to go into negotiations negotiations with GM. Well, this is my buddy, one of his, like, he would be buddies with the um, the guys at GM that he was about to negotiate with. So they would, like, closed door, like, back alley meeting. He would meet with them, and they would come to the certain terms. Like, okay, you guys give this. And, you know, they, they were cool. Like, okay, this would be good. He's like, all right, when we go to this meeting tomorrow, though, I got to put on a show. So I want you guys to draw a line in the sand here and I'm going to throw a glass of water across the office and I'm going to be cursing you out 
just to put on a show for my other union guys, and then I want you guys to come back to this line. So they would have this whole thing orchestrated <laughs> out. I had it yeah. uh, all the time. He said they did it all the time because it would show, like, that would get all the other union members pumped oh, yeah. up. Because he would be the You don't want to appear soft. He would be the only one in on it. Yeah. And he would have three other union reps with him at the table, and they yeah. wouldn't be in on this. And he would be in on it with one of the, or, or all of the auto execs. And you and they would they would come to a, a sensible agreement, right? But he's like, I want you guys to stand hard, stand your ground here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna insult your wife, I'm gonna fucking splash water on you, like I want to I I gotta be a badass in this, and they're like, all right, that's fine, and they would let him do it and put on this whole show. <laughs> then afterwards, they'd go jump on this guy's yacht and go tuna fishing. Of course, <laughs> you know? man. Yeah. 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 You see that shit all the time. Well, and, and, Senators and, fucking screaming at each other and then yep. they're playing golf the next weekend. Uh, it's like, yeah, okay, you guys hate each other. Yep. Well, you know how this goes. You guys are wives or best friends oh, and yeah. all this stuff. That's, yeah. that's the exact kind of shit you <clears throat> tell me. Yep. yep. Huh. Yeah, dude. It's uh, interesting. Anyways, how the, I don't Politics. know how, how we started talking about that. Oh, movies. Movies, yeah. Oh, that's right. Now that movie coming the up. The Irishman. The Irishman, yeah. Man, we watched uh, Avatar last night. You probably can't suspend disbelief enough for that one, can you? You know, I like that one. I do. I like it right up until the end. The end's a little ridiculous. Just like, I mean, Jesus Christ, everyone, like, you don't fucking charge a native force with bows and arrows into the teeth of, like, machine guns. Like, you know, yeah, it's heroic and looks good, but it's not it's stupid. Yeah. It's like any military leader that would have you do that is an idiot. Like, you use your strategy. You know that terrain like the back of your hand. You can set up, beat Ewoks, motherfucker. The Ewoks took out the goddamn stormtroopers, and they were like two foot nothing. You know, and these guys didn't get shit. They were just fucking getting blasted all for effect. And then the forest came in and saved them all. That was down with it, man. I like that movie. movie. I really did. I saw it in the theater. Yeah. In 3D. Dude, trip me out, man. Fucking trip me out. I remember leaving there just being like, I felt like I would literally spent the previous, whatever, like three hours in another world. Yeah. And it was like trying to come back to Earth. It was like, oh, dude, Jesus. Why isn't everything glowing? So, no, I I love that movie. I'm surprised. If I had to bet money, I I wouldn't uh, guess you would like that movie. No, I don't know what it is. Some movies. I don't think I could ever guess what movies you would like. Some don't, <laughs> I think it. I think it all depends on what mood you're in. I guess so, man. <laughs> I don't think there's a. I don't think there's a set. It's like system. Mad Max Fury Road. That thing's that was awesome. Love that movie. That thing was amazing. That was another one I saw in 3D. You're just like, you just feel like you're in a, totally immersed in another world. I love movies that do that, man. They tell yeah. a great story. <clears throat> really immerse you in the world where you feel like, okay, I can believe this. That's the thing with like the bird box. Like there's just, there were things where you're just like, I can't wrap my mind around this enough to believe it, you know? Like, so that's what made it tough. But dude, they're on Pandora and giant blue things and you can transfer your mind into them. Like, all right, you know, I'm there, man. That's like even the new fucking Star Wars. I remember the new one, the new, uh, um, I forget the name of it, but the new, the first one of the newest three that came out, dude, about halfway through, I realized that we were just reliving A New Hope, like the original Star Wars movie. It was literally, there was a Death Star, and they had to, I mean, it was literally just a retelling of that original one, but they did such a goddamn good job doing it that I was in. I'm like, I'm in. I don't care. 
Oh, we're going to go up the below stress bar up again. Oh, didn't see that one coming. <laughs> but I was in, man, because they did such a good job. It was such a good job telling the story and creating the world and, and good characters. And yeah, so I'm down with that shit. That's I, just, funny. I don't like when people make shitty characters and unbelievable stories. It's good when a movie gets you bought in. Yeah. And you're like emotionally <laughs> tied to it. Like, yeah, I like right. it. Not very often. They, I haven't had a movie in a while. Give me, I've had movies that entertain me recently. Right. But nothing that's got me bought in, not like Fight Club or The Matrix. Oh, yeah, Fight Club. Fight Ooh. Club and The Matrix. Fight Club so the, Matrix. The, the first Matrix. Yeah. The other Matrix were they were entertaining, but they were they were too Star Trek y or space or Star Wars y for me. Yeah. I don't get into into that shit a lot, man. Just not my thing. But the first Matrix is goddamn good. Yeah. I and you know, or what's that uh Inception with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, I love those alternate realities. Like I love alternate realities and time travel. Right. You get a movie with something with something in that kind of realm, dude. I'm. Did you like Edge of Tomorrow? Yes, I did. Yeah. Tom Cruise, yep. where he just keeps. Yeah, yep. yeah. Couldn't help it, man. Yeah, that's. I, I never want to like a Tom Cruise movie. I go into him, it's like I want to hate this fucking. This is gonna thing. be a stupid movie. I couldn't help it. That's I was like I'm movie. in. Yep. Go for it, you fucking five foot three little fucking sixty year old motherfucker. Scientology, <laughs> you Scientologist, badass. <laughs> Keep going, you badass. Oh, and try it again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. For some reason, man, I love those movies because I think the twelve year old kid in me wants to time travel so bad or realm right. realm jump. Like I just, goddamn it, it'd be so cool. It would be cool, man. Yeah, that's uh, that was a good one. I'm trying to think. You were talking, it got me thinking about another movie or something I'd seen. They did done a good job, but. Uh, Anyways, Anyways, whatever. Yeah, they got the last of the Star Wars coming out this in December next month. It's supposed to wrap up the whole thing. That sounds ridiculous. Why are we just trying to wrap it all up? <clears throat> There's fucking money to be made. I think George Lucas sees the writing on the wall. He's getting old. He's like, he's, with it. He's like I'm taking this to the grave with me. I'm yeah. not leaving this fucking open-ended for you motherfuckers to fuck up. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. So. Speaking of putting stuff into our brain... Because um, I got to read a new book now. You, what was the one you said? It was the light in the cave, or the cave. The in cave the, and the light. Cave in the light, not the cave and the light. Oh, and the yeah. light. Cave and the, the light. Cave and okay. the light. That's yeah. gonna be my next one. Yes, yeah, a history a of Western philosophy. Yeah, Aristotle and Plato. I'm I know just, it's funny how often I fucking think about that shit now. I'm gonna switch. That's. I'm switching gears. I went from this Asian. I, I was on an Asian kick for a while. Right? Yep. Sashi. I was too, man. Then another one, and then another one, and then I got into Shogun, and then all right, dude. It's been like a whole summer of Asian books. Yeah. And now I think I'm Japanese enough. Like, yeah. I've done enough cultural appropriation. Let's uh, let's go the other way. Yeah, I fucking yeah. I did the same thing. I was reading a bunch of. I was reading like the Life Giving Sword, and because I got a bunch of those mm-hmm. books, and uh, God, what was uh, anyways, <clears throat> so yeah, now'll be a good one. Yep. That'll be a good one. You've know. never steered me wrong yet. I'm try not to. Book suggestions. Did I? Was it the only one that I had real trouble digesting? It was just because of his writing style. Was, oh, anti-fragile. Uh, yeah. What, what's the dude's name? Nassim Taleb. I I don't know if I just maybe if I went back and read it now, just because I'm a more experienced reader. Yeah. My vocabulary is you know expanding a little bit. I'm educating myself. I'd be able to take it in more, but just his writing style doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't, I mean, I can get through it and I can get stuff from it, but I don't get a ton. It doesn't flow for me. Right. Like Jordan Peterson's writing style, I can gobble that up. Yeah. It flows for me. 
you know, some other authors gobble it up before his. It was, dude, it was a struggle. <laughs> I was like reading a textbook. That's like, interesting. Yeah, that would be. Dude, a, it was just his writing style. That'd be an, that would be an interesting one for you to go back and like just uh, go through again and mm-hmm. see how, what, you, what you thought. Because mm-hmm. that was such a, an interesting book, man. I mean, just the whole, uh, again, like the history of tinkers versus professionals and how we're led to believe that, you know, our world is the product of professional people using science to create the next great thing. And then you look at it and you realize that that's almost never the fucking case. That almost like so many great things have come from like people on the edges like, you know, they weren't, they either weren't in the field, like the Wright brothers were bike mechanics. Yep. You know, and then, and then <clears throat> I remember I, there was a book that was the history of the Wright brothers. And that was actually their strength is because they weren't from academia and academia thought they knew what was behind flight. And so there was an accepted theory behind it. And so if you were from academia, you had to you know, toe that line and accept that theory. And then obviously all of your experiments and all of your work is going towards... It's kind of tainted. You're trying to prove. Right, yeah. You're, yeah, you're trying to... Well, you know, you think this is the way it's going to work, so you right. just have to figure out how to make it work, mm-hmm. right? And so all you're trying to create airplanes and all these things that you're trying to create are based on this assumption that this is how it works. And the Wright brothers, because they weren't part of that, were able to think outside that, realize that like, oh... That's not how it works. They're wrong. And, you know, we're free to, to you know, think in other ways. And, you know, the most famous one, obviously, is uh, Albert Einstein. You know, he's working as a fucking patent clerk. And, you know, it allowed him the ability to uh, think in ways that you couldn't if you were part of the establishment. And so when you, when you realize, like, dude, people who are part of the establishment, it's, it's such a tough line, man, because you... Your, your thinking gets uh, static because like you're part of the establishment because your thinking's got you to that point. You've reached a pinnacle because of your thinking is, has got you to that point. And so now your way of thinking and your way of seeing the world is so entrenched that it's really hard to see other things. And it takes a really uh, <clears throat> rare mind to be able to continue to you know see that shit i mean sat in jujitsu right like mm-hmm. you know with uh oh you know new school shit or whatever like people have a way of looking at it and they came up that way they got their black belt that way and it's really hard to accept that like there's other ways of going about this and maybe you know the the people that taught you had you know that was the best that they could do but man you know so, There's other ways to see shit. Other ways to see shit. On that note, have you listened to Faraz Sahabi on the latest JRE just this past year? I have not. I'm listening to the Malcolm Gladwell one. but uh. dude, I, On that note, dude, I love Malcolm Gladwell. Yes. I could listen to that guy talk for days and days. Just the way he thinks, the way he's able to express himself. Yeah. God damn it, man. I love that dude. I love that he, that, that guy exists. Yep. Hey, have you... you uh, do you do many audiobooks? I mean, I have... I, I mean, not you, recently, just because like I don't drive as much, so podcast. Because it's kind of starting to become a thing now. The way people are doing audiobooks, it's almost like a podcast. Oh uh, yeah, check out experience. check out Malcolm Gladwell's newest latest audiobook, uh, Talking to Strangers. Yeah, I want to read that one. It sounded really do, interesting. Do the audiobook. Okay, it's even better than reading it because 
some of the he actually has the other people that he's writing about in there. He gives, I mean, he's reading it, which is good because he's got a good voice and yeah. he, he's good at reading his own material. But it's almost like a podcast. Huh. It's it's a really cool experience. It's it's not just him reading his book. Yeah. It's more. It, it's it's worth it. Like most of the time, I wouldn't suggest people get the audio book instead of reading. Yeah. I would say read the book. On this one, I'd go the other way. Huh. I would say I would say listen. It's cool. Yeah. It's right. well worth. But that, that dude's awesome. Yeah. I yeah. really like super him. smart guy. Super smart guy, and he seems like a, he seems like a super smart guy, but you can relate. Yeah. Like you, he, he could, even if he's wicked smart, the guy, you know, he's talking about how much he reads and that, he's just an intellect. That's what he does. He's very well, curious. Yes. Like that's how he comes across me. He's not like a, uh, like an Elon Musk. That's like this, like brain powers on this level that like, you can't even like, Whoa, like Malcolm seems like a very curious guy. Yeah. And yeah, he's, he was, he's obviously a smart guy, but it's like super smart, but he could relate. The reason he's so smart is because he's really curious yeah. about things. It's not this natural thing. He's like, I'm, I'm really curious about why does this happen and what's going on here? And then he figures shit out that makes him smart. And I, I think like that comes across, like you feel like you could do that too. Mm-hmm. You know, he seems more relatable. Like, you know, yeah, that, that, I could get yeah. curious about something and look into it and yeah. I could get smart about it too. And then maybe that's why I like him so much. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's how I, I yeah. take him because he seems yeah. relatable versus this like guru type who comes across like I am smart and here are my decrees from smart land. Accept them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, he comes across almost like, dude, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. And, that's, that's, and that's why I looked into it and yeah. here's what I found out. And I still not, Hundred percent sure I know what I'm talking about, but here's what I found out. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 But anyways, that I said I got excited when you brought him up. But uh, Faraz Sahabi. Yes. Uh, he. The reason I was bringing that up again. Uh, man, I really like that guy. Anytime I hear him in an interview or anything, he's a smart dude too. Very philosophical martial artist. Right. And GSP's coach, right? Yes. Yeah. He owns uh, TriStar Gym up yep. in Montreal. Uh. He was talking about. Um, John Donaher and what he's done for jiu-jitsu and just going to Henzo Gracie's Academy in New York and said that guy is fundamentally just changing the standards of jiu-jitsu and the way people are learning and how fast they're learning. He's a, he, uh, he gave an example um, that he... So recently, uh, Faraz had a student. I don't know how recently, but anyways. He had a student that was a purple belt was going to like nogi competitions and tapping high level black belts. He's like, all right, I'm gonna promote this guy to brown. And he's ready for a brown belt. It's a good measuring stick. Yeah. Most people would not argue with that. And Faraz is a solid coach. Um his student went to Henzo's Academy and was getting mopped up by all the Donahers purple belts. And Faraz was like, dude, the level in that room is insane. He's like, it's nothing you ever seen. He's like the purple belts in there will take almost everybody's lunch. And he's like, actually, Donner called me. He's like, why'd you give this guy his brown belt? And he's like, he gave him his reason. He had justification for it. He's like, he's not ready. You should not have given him his brown belt. <laughs> oh. But he's like, that. he was just talking, you know, it's just, things are changing. The game's evolving so quickly. Yeah. And not just the leg lock game, everything. No, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Donner is so far beyond he's that. So Anyone far, who still thinks he's leg lock no, guy, no, he's not. Is, it's he's just yeah. he's just he's he just he's at the gym, eight to twelve hours a day, stud, watching, studying, watching, stud, learning how to teach people, and, yeah. and just breaking it down as to why and how and 
and it's, it's making their learning curve just skyrocket. So that level is just higher. Right. You know, so they're just churning out purple belts that are just murderers. You know, even blue belts that are just murderers that other schools, they would be like brown and black. And he's like, nope, not here. They're not. Yeah. It's, it's a cool, it's a great thing for the art. For oh, the yeah. Uh, so it's cool. Yeah, that's kind of one of those things we were talking about earlier, though. You got people that came up like, this is how you teach jujitsu. This is how you approach this. And, and uh, you know, to have, you can be resistant mm-hmm. to that change. It's like, no, man, like, there are better ways to do this shit. And I do think, like, that's going to be, it, it, it's going to be an interesting um, transition. And there's going to be some friction during the transition. Because you are seeing, like, just like in any other sport, right? Like, if you want to learn how to uh, be a track athlete, right? Like, you've got some potential and you're like, okay, I want to run track. They have a pretty well laid out method for how you progress someone from A to B, right? Like, every nation has got, like, a, a fucking plan. Like, okay, you start as a kid, and you do this, and you learn these skills, and you build on these skills, and you build on these skills. And, you know, you may look at, like, each nation's plan, and there may be some differences in the details, but the overall, like, you know, structure is probably pretty similar. And you find that in, in most every sport. You want to be a wrestler? Right. You don't think they got that fucking figured out, man? Right. Right? <clears throat> Jiu-jitsu is still a pretty young sport. Right? I see that with mountain biking. It's a very young sport, so you see the same thing. You've got it's a it's a young sport, so you don't have MMA's going through it. Same yeah. thing. You don't have a really well established pathway of how you develop an athlete from A to Z. And so, you know, you have these different philosophies and different approaches and different thoughts, and they've all produced good results right like you can point to this champion and he did it this way and this champion did it this way and that's what muddies the water and so it takes a guy like donaher uh you know you see this in almost every sport that that mind like bill walsh in football right with the 49ers uh in the in the 80s and 90s right like it, t- it takes a uh a unique mind in a unique situation to really force a sport to to change and, 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 and realize like, Oh, there is a better way to do this. And I think that's what he's doing. Like, you know, he's really forcing people to realize like, man, if you don't up your game, if you don't up how you're teaching your students and what you're teaching them and the concepts versus moves and all of these things, like, yeah, you're You're going to get left behind. You're going to get left behind in the dust bad. Yes. Yeah. And and that man, I went in and drilled this morning with Al, one of our, black belt training partners and dude we had an awesome drill session like the first first couple rounds you know we were drilling four minute rounds like he would drill something for four minutes i would four minutes and we we were just trading back and forth but then like the last 20 minutes was just an idea sharing process yeah like he was working on this past and then i was like hey let me see you do it on this side then he was going to this side and i was like go back to the other side i was like ah i found the difference and then i and i start and then i just kind of snowballed it was an awesome strategy because then we just started talking about this past. He's like, all right, well, what do you think about this? And I was like, I don't know. Let me try. And then so we're just kind of playing back and forth. Like I give him this idea. Then he's like, well, I don't know. Here's this. Here's how we've been doing it. Like him and Randy. And I was like, all right. Then he showed me a detail. I'm like, well, okay, why have you been doing it this way? What? Because what? we were working on this one, Daily Heva Pass move. And he had, at one point he had me kind of squaring back up to him. Like I was kind of, it's hard to explain. In yeah, a, no, it's in, 
And and I didn't like the squaring back up process. I was like, I don't think that I was like, well, okay, so I backed up. I was like, why why should I square up here? Why are you squaring up? And he's like, well, to get this foot trapped on your hip. I was like, okay. I was like, I can accomplish trapping that foot in the hip by just doing this. And I, instead of squaring it back up, I kind of did like a little mini back step. I'll have to show it to you. Yeah. And he's like, oh. And but that that was the whole thing. We just and then then we went on to like a different position. And then he was like, okay, I've been doing this. I'm like, well, what about this? And then I liked what he was doing better here. I'm like, oh, okay. And it, dude, it was awesome. It was such a. I mean, it wasn't hard physically. Yeah. But we were getting a lot of good jujitsu in. Yeah, because we were just bouncing ideas off each other. Like, how about this? And then afterwards, he's like, "Man, he's like, I think you really changed that pass." And he's like, "I think that's, I think we're, there's something there. Yeah, like, it's different because it change, it gets you thinking." And I was doing something too that he changed on me. He's like, "Well, he's like, I think you should do this because of this." Because then you really start asking, "Okay, why am I doing something?" And it kind of goes back to even Farasa talked about this. You know, the old when you're attacking a Kimura, you always teach like the monkey grip, no thumb, or you the thumb grip. Well, there's a time and place for both. both. Yeah. There's a time and place depending on your desired outcome or even your personal preference. And you can't get so stuck in your way. Like, nope, always got to have monkey grip. Right. Kind of, that's a real simplified version of what I'm getting at. And, then, and that's what Frost was talking about. And then, and then what you're talking about with Donner is just like, yeah, I think it, it's just evolving so fast. But on that, I, as you were talking about that, like at your bill wash, your your diner coming through and seeing things differently and changing. And with track, there's a set system. Like if Cuba's got a system and USA's got a system, like you can see track because it's it's a clear cut, measurable thing. There's a you know a hundred yard dash time. You know this and this. With martial arts or jujitsu or mixed martial arts. There is a lot of artistic expression in there. It gets fuzzy. It, it gets fuzzy just <laughs> sure. due just due to that. It gets fuzzy. That doesn't mean you can't have some. You know, it's like the right. problem is is like some people use that as a reason to be like too well, fuzzy. Yeah, yeah. Well, we don't even need to try. Right. right? It's just it, it's going to be difficult. So why even try? Yeah. And okay. So because you see the other end of it, right? like everybody likes to, you know, again the. The easy um, punching bag in this discussion is like Gracie Baja and their curriculum, and mm-hmm. you know you're gonna learn this, and, and that's the how it's done. And uh, again, you can see where that can um, that has its problems. Like you can you can form too rigid a way of thinking. We've talked about this before, like how you can tell when you're rolling with someone who has a collection of techniques. Yep. And as soon as you get them out of there, they they don't know where they're at or they don't have a technique. Or you put up some roadblock that they weren't expecting. It's just, just boom. They've got nothing else. There's nothing backing it up. And so, you know, that's the, um, you know, the the goal is to get that, those, those, you know, the principles versus the moves. And so that's the tension, right? Like, I love that concept. Again, that's that concept I got from that cave in the light is that you don't want to resolve the tension. Fucking, you know what I mean? There are two extremes. There is the... You need to learn the moves. You need to learn the basic moves. We, you know, we're gonna have a curriculum for the for free to BJJ. Yeah, that's my goal. I want to have most of that done by this weekend. I'm, yeah. I set that goal for myself. So I we go home tonight. And so we're gonna have some structure, but we've also talked about how do we also create some, you know, the, like I said, the artistic expression thing, and that's where you know, okay, well maybe we got to for the advanced classes we have a theme where we're working half guard, but we're not gonna have a set curriculum, so we can kind of see where. It goes, or coaches have a chance to coach what they feel best with. So how do you how do you find 
you don't want to resolve the tension. It's not either or. It's, you know, that trying to resolve the tension is where cool ideas come from. And as soon as you resolve it and you go, no, I'm going this way or I'm going this way, all cool ideas stop. Mm -hmm. So that's the, uh, yeah, always that balancing act there. But the drilling, again, same thing. Like you have to, you have to do it to get it down. But if that's all you do, and if you never like, like you know, that troubleshooting thing, like we've been doing that. We do it all the time. Yeah. That's your mind. Your drilling sessions turn into most of the time. Yeah. We will have certain little patterns we do, but then it always, I want to say devolve, evolves into right. a troubleshooting idea, idea, idea sharing experience. Yeah. Like what would you do here? What would you do here? Yeah, exactly. Like exactly. that doesn't feel right. Like do that again. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Cause if you don't do that, it's just, it's, it's too static. Yep. It's too rigid. And then you're just trying to force it with like, again, it, it, it's funny like how, uh, you know, Kit Dale put it. It's like, you know, this is one of the reasons that strength and conditioning and strength has become so, uh, such a big deal at the higher levels is because you have a bunch of people who've got technique collections. Well, it becomes a matter of who can impose their technique will on the other person, yep. not who has the answer for whatever the other person throws their way. And so it's, uh, you know, there's, there, there's that fine line, man. You know, you're, I, I guess like the thing is, is for me, my own personal jujitsu too. Like I try to watch like you, man, if I, if I try a move a couple times and I'm not figuring out an answer, right? Like if you try something, like you try a knee cut pass and they throw up a, a, a defense and you're like, I know, all right, step back. I'm coming back because I know what they're going to do and I know how to get around that. But if you're just like fucking stalled out and it's just a matter of like, I'm trying to force my will on this position. I am going to either use some sort of like pain compliance or just, you know, to get through, you know, was that really a win? You know, it's like, try something else. And like, that's one of the things like I, uh, you know, I noticed with, um, you know, like Pimenta, man, we talk about that dude all the time. Like how he never, he never fucking breathes out of his mouth when he's mm. rolling. I've never seen him gasping for air. Yeah, he's always just cool. And one of the reasons is, is like, dude, he's it's fucking hilarious, man. I, I miss rolling with that guy. Like I get visions in my head, and it just, you know, you're just you're you're you've done something, and you've made him sit and think, and he thinks, and he knows exactly what to do, and then your day's fucked. But it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like, oh, he you throw something up he didn't expect. And it's like, he may try the same move again, just like, oh, no. And then it's like, all right, well, what else can I do? And then he always has an answer. And so you always feel like he's always kicking your ass, but you never feel like he's just like trying really hard to kick your you're ass. You're not getting manhandled. No. You're not just getting slung around no. just by someone's... The only time I've seen anyone get manhandled was you and you wouldn't <laughs> take the settle down rowdy message yes. from him. <laughs> I, I, I consider that a victory in my world right. that I got him to the point of enough frustration to where he's like, I have to fuck this kid up. <laughs> oh man, that was funny. Yeah. So, But yeah, I mean, to me, that's the epitome of good jujitsu. I mean, because that's the stuff that you know, we talk about like jujitsu is supposed to be like the technique is, you know, strength matters and size matters, but man, you want jujitsu that's scalable that, that you're going to be able to use against the smallest, weakest, you know, potential opponent and the biggest, strongest potential opponent. That's the only jujitsu that, that works. You know what I mean? Like you have to have that problem solving, 
I'm not going to use strength and aggression uh, in place of that jujitsu because that shit only works on people around your own size. Yep. If you do it on someone smaller than you, you're being a big asshole, right? And, and it's not going to work on someone 40 exactly. pounds. Exactly. They're going to fuck you up. Yep. So that type of jujitsu only works against one type of opponent. And again, you look at competitions and what who are you competing against? Your size. Your size. Yeah. And so you can see where, again, like these the mindset and the philosophy behind it and stuff like that starts to starts to form. But man, we talk about it all the time. You know, I mean you, you fucking you love preaching like jujitsu's a small, small man's, man's game, game, man. Yeah. So if you feel like you're having to use size and strength, you're not doing jujitsu. So you're just out athleting him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what makes it fun, man. Like if you can have that at like that mindset, it's like, you know, when you're rolling against a girl who is smaller and weaker than you, man, you can still have a really good role, a great role. And everybody's getting something out of it because, you know, you're just you're just problem solving. Like problem solving is scalable to everything, right? It's mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah, my volume mob behind the, the problem solving might be turned down a little bit, but I mean honestly, I don't like I'm just problem solving no matter who I'm going against, right? And then I'm, I'm kind of matching their their strength. Like, I got to do what I got to do, right? Like, I'm not going to sit there. Like, if somebody's going to push into me, like, I got to resist, right. right? So I'm going to match. I'm trying to match their strength. But within that, it's just problem solving. And so, and then, yeah, and then you get fucking big boys like Yassine. And then it's just... Problem solving is closed guard. Yeah, Turkish wrestling champion. <laughs> Turkish wrestling champion. Yeah, it's now part of the team. Oh my goodness, dude! Two hundred and forty pounds. Yeah. Well, it, you know, again, that's just a good, uh, an interesting testament to jujitsu and particularly gi jujitsu, man. Like you throw a gi on a two hundred and forty pound, or you know, Turkish wrestler, and uh, he's suddenly, you know, surprisingly much more mortal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, especially if you know how to use that gi and he doesn't. Like, again, it's one of those things. Like, this is fucking awesome. Like, I'm, you know, he outweighs me by fucking 70 pounds. Easy. Easy. You know, all, all sorts of experience on me. All that shit. And again, obviously, he's, he seems he's, like a nice guy. He's being nice. He's being nice. But by the same token, you can tell... Like, dude, that fucking got he, Yeah, he doesn't have the answers. No, he does not. not yet. He does not know exactly how to deal with grips. Yeah. And so, if you know how to use, get and use grips, man, they can slow fucking people down and really frustrate them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, it's cool, man. Because again, I have no business being on a mat with a guy like that. Mm-hmm. But you throw in jujitsu. Throw a D on him. Hey, man. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I don't think I'm ever gonna fucking beat the dude. But. But you didn't end up hurt. I didn't end up hurt, and I didn't end up just getting smashed. Yep. I mean, it. You know, that's a moral victory. Heck yeah. If you can keep a giant human being off the top of you, that's uh, that's good. It is good. It's fucking. That's what you want. Yeah. So. Cool. Yeah, yeah man. That's where are we at. On time. I don't know. We were about an hour in. About an hour in. We. You guys got some stuff to do. No. Well, you know, got a few things. I know we did. Uh, are fucking cleaning up free to BJJ, man. Yeah, it's exciting. It's getting real. Yeah, you just got to see it. Yeah, you hadn't seen the place yet. Yesterday. Yesterday was the first time you saw it. Thanksgiving, you know, you guys let me come over and be the retarded uncle at your yes, Thanksgiving dinner. Yes, thanks for dinner. coming. That was awesome. And prior to that, we went and checked out the facility. Yes. Played some disc golf. 
Let the dogs run around. Yeah, that was fun. That's a beautiful fun. day yesterday. I appreciate you guys being patient with me, Frank, bringing Frank around. Oh, that's fine, man. Aka needs to learn. You know he's my buddy. I try, to, I try to bring him everywhere. I know. I'm like that with Aka. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah. It, I, I'm around a lot, so like I'll leave him at home a little bit more. But if I was like you and I worked all the time, like when I was home and could hang out with them, like... Okay. Yeah, I just. But I don't want to be that asshole dog owner that just like expects everybody to like just welcome him in. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So I set it up to where if he's got to stay in the car, if I go someplace, he gets a bone. He's got a bed in there. Yeah. You know, it's not a terrible situation, you know. Yeah. Because right. it's cold out now, so he it's not he's not gonna get too hot in the car. Right. So it's it all works out pretty good. But you guys are pretty dog friendly, so. Yeah, man. We like Frank. Frank's pretty cool. He's pretty easy to like. Yeah, he's a nice dog. Yeah. He's a fucking funny dog. He's man. a funny. Dog. <laughs> he gets all fired up. He does. Yeah. He's got a good energy about him. Yeah. So. But anyways, we had a good Thanksgiving dinner yesterday, man. Ate too much. Yeah. Just about ate myself to the point of puking with that dessert. I know. I was feeling pretty, <laughs> pretty haggard after yeah. dinner. I had but, to go to bed early. Yeah. I was. Well, we were up at 7 wrestling. Yeah, we were at practice at 7 o'clock. Yep. He has a long day yesterday. That's all right, though. So he makes the most of the weekends, man. We got a nice, for me, nice long weekend. Four yeah. days. Hell yeah, man. So, and then he helped us clean up a little bit, getting the space cleaned up, and uh, got 600 feet of mat, kind of ordered. Kind of ordered. <laughs> ordered it, found a better deal, trying to cancel the order with the original people, see if they'll do it. Did, was it, uh, did you find a better deal on the same mats or different? Same mats. Well, it's different. Uh, different company. So basically, they're the company, and again, it's not horrible, right? Like, the, it was a company, uh, AK Athletics, mm-hmm. um, was the name, and uh, Lance you know, uses their stuff. So again, if I end up with their mats, I'm not like super bombed. The main thing is, is the blue. I like the blue of the other mats better. They're a Dolomer mat. And so they're a little bit cheaper actually. And they're still 10 by 10, uh, you know, two five by 10 sections. I'm just getting like 600 square feet worth. Um, is it the seamless, the new style when they Velcro I together? Could, nah, no. man, I still think you need to throw a fucking piece of tape on that seam. Like, time will time will tell. Time will tell. I don't know. Yeah, I gotta I gotta see. But, I don't know. I would try like in, in what Kevin did. Yeah, it looked really nice. I would try it without tape first, and see how see what happens. Yeah. And then it, then if they start pulling apart, and you need tape, then go for it. Right. Yeah. But anyways, sorry. No, no, no. I hear you. That's good. <laughs> I'm interested to see what happens. Yeah. My first impression when I looked at them was that if you hit them just, it, it's just like if you stepped on them just right near the edge. Like it'll peel the velcro. A yeah, bit. there's a little bit of an edge there still. We'll find out. We'll find out. And so, uh, so anyways, I could get those. It would be like the two five by tens would uh, velcro together, and then I would have to tape like those sections together. Yeah. And so, anyways, I'm like, dude, I got to tape mats anyways. Like, fuck it, I can save some money, just get regular uh, sections and tape them. But yeah, it's a little bit darker blue. I like the blue better. And it's about 150 bucks cheaper. So, but, uh, yeah. So I had to complicate my life. When it comes that. time to taping the mats, I would love to be involved. Yes, please. Because there's a good system you should have when you're taping the mats. It's hard to keep the tape tape straight. Yeah. This is not going to be exciting for podcast talk, but I don't care because I'm going to share it No, no, no. It's good. Because it's what you do. It's a really simple method. So you like say you take some uh, just blue painters tape, yeah. that masking tape that peels off, doesn't leave any residue, right? right? Painters yeah. use it. You use that as your visual guide. 
Yeah. And you only got it. So you measure like however you do the math, however wide your tape is, blah, blah. It's got to cover each mat. Let's say it's two inches off the center of the mat. So you every every six inches or every foot, you just put a little piece of painter's tape, you know, two inches over, two inches over. So you have a visual reference. And that way you have a straight line to keep. So you, you take the time ahead of time to take your ruler or your tape measure and throw some visual markers. Because then taping the mat is a two-person job. One person kind of stretches the tape and the other person kind yeah. of flattens it out with the little scraper thing. Yeah. But if you if you take the time and put those masking tape markers, dude, it's so much easier. And it keeps that tape so nice and straight. And in that way, the seam's covered on both sides. Nice. There's a whole system to it. I've done yeah. it more than once in my life. I welcome your expertise, so, my friend. I just want to share this with you now. And yeah. This is how I expect it to be done. I'm all for it, man. You, you were, we're very similar that way. I, yeah. I do. It's taking, the proper way to do it. Taking some time before you do the job to set up right saves you so much fucking time. And it gets the, the job, job done properly. So much better. I know. You know, it's one of those things my dad drilled into my head, so it's definitely a, a habit. But I, it's a habit that I have been, I've had reinforced through experience because yep. when you don't, you get fucked. And eventually. <laughs> yes. It may get done faster in that moment, but you're going to have to put more time into it later. Yeah. And you're not going to be as happy with the result. No. It's no. not going to look as good. No, I know. And I was like, I guess also being a bike mechanic, that was another thing. Like You just learn. Like, dude, when you're about to do a job, you're you're the fucking, you're there by yourself and you're about to rebuild a fork. Yeah. Like, last thing you want is to be holding like, you know, something in one hand and a dirty thing in the other and you realize like. Oh, oh that, that thing part. that I need yeah. over there in that box. It's like you want it all laid out. You ready want to it go. All ready to go. Do all your prep, yeah. get all your tools, everything. Yep. And then, then when it's time for the actual action, it's easy. It's easy. Yes, yeah. exactly. Preparation yeah. is an important thing. It so, is. you're listening to this, Shiloh? So, <laughs> no, I mean, Shiloh, I talked to her about this. She will, uh, you know, again, typical teenager. I was that way too. That's yep. how I had it drilled into my head. My dad yelling at me all the time, like, Pick that up before you sit down and start working. How can you work in a messy yep. spot? It's like it's so funny now that I'm a dad. I'm looking at it. And I'm like, how on earth do you think you're gonna get anything done? Like you, you know, with all this shit here. <laughs> but yeah, no, I definitely would like your help. Um, yeah, I'll have you uh, check out the paint or the tape we were gonna get. I'm pretty sure it's good shit. I did a search. It's got like, you know, four and a half stars on Amazon. With bunch of ratings so and as long as you don't get the real thick aggressive shit so you're catching your toes on it and you know what i mean that, yeah, that's yeah. A, you, there's different thicknesses and the real that's the how we got burnt in the mm. last experience is we'll that, see that's why i'm gonna have you check that extra that extra thick tape yeah may was an aggressive edge mm. so then that led to putting that glue down and blah 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 yeah so yeah you know you okay gotta, yeah be mindful of that well, I mean, we'll check it out yeah i'll check yeah i'll check it out but uh yeah get some good tape Get the mats here. And uh, yeah, shooting for January 1st opening. That's our That's the know, goal. kind of ceremonial mm-hmm. New Year's. But hopefully we'll have the mats here and be getting some training. That'd be sweet. Going before that. But yeah, man, we're going to have our curriculum. going to get kids' classes going. going to have the fucking Grumpy Guy Fit classes going. Got to find another name for it. I keep saying it, but the problem is it's like, it's stuck. It's so stuck in my head. They're Grumpy Guy Fit classes. Grumpy Guy Fit classes. <laughs> but it's a terrible name. It's a ridiculous name. <laughs> it means nothing. GG Fit. No. That's weird. No, I'll figure out something. And, uh, but yeah, so it is exciting. Definitely today it started to seem more real. So I'm doing, you know, you're doing some work there. Before now, it's all just been like... In theory. Well, it's funny, man. I mean, this whole thing's gone from zero to a hundred in like a couple weeks. 
I mean, three weeks ago, I guess it was about three weeks ago when I made the decision that we were going to do it. And so... And all of a sudden today, yeah, we're there cleaning a new facility. We're there cleaning a new spot. Yeah, yeah. sign a lease and getting stuff going. So, and it literally was like, it, it just, I did not have plans. Because some, sometimes people do that shit, right? They're like, they, they secretly were like, oh, you know, I had some plans. I had some things arranged. And then, then you come out and you're like, oh, I just decided to do this. And, uh, you know, maybe you weren't fully sure, but now that you got all the information, now you decided to do it. And I was like, no, that was not it at all. It was <laughs> literally like, nah, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. And now I'll start looking for solutions. Sometimes, dude, sometimes that's the way to go. Sometimes, I mean, it's not like this was done on a whim. Not 100%. There's, there's been quite a bit of thought in whether consciously or subconsciously, there's been a lot of thought gone into it. Oh, yeah. It, right? And then yeah. so... I think sometimes you just got to make the leap. It's like jumping in cold water. Oh, for sure. If you just dip a toe and put your foot in, it's going to take you forever. You might not ever do it. Sometimes you just got to be like, all right, follow yeah. This is the move. Yep. Yeah, it's it's taking that first step. Like, that's the hardest part. I mean, it sounds cliche, but it is, like, really the hardest part. Because once you get going in a direction, and you know, I've talked about this before. I felt like this is kind of how things were with my pedal company, Pedaling Innovations. Like, I don't know what the next step is. I just I feel like I'm in a dark cave and I got just enough light from this torch to see like the next step in front of me. So I take it. And when I take that step, well, it lights up what the next step's going to be. So I take that. But like if I try to look five steps down, it's pitch black. I got no clue. No clue what's going on. So that's kind of what what this feels like a little bit. It's, uh, you know, kind of have a little bit of an idea, but you won't really know. No, man. Until you go. I know. We got to get our logo. I think you're onto something. I like the idea of the T-Rex. <laughs> yeah. T-Rex. I really do. You said that. I think, like, dude, I think that's a good fit. The T-Rex with the gi on. Yeah. You can't armbar a T-Rex. You can't armbar a T-Rex, man. Yeah. You tough to ankle lock that motherfucker, yep. too. Yeah. You can be able to boot like a bitch. Yeah. I think it'd be a cool logo. I think so, too. I right? really do. Yeah. And again, like, you know, if you don't live in this area, then you don't know that, like, Fruta... Like, this is, uh, like, a paleontological area. Like, this whole western slope. I mean, there's a, a bunch of dinosaur digs, a bunch of dinosaur bones been found around here. And so the whole dinosaur theme is definitely part of it. But Fruta in particular, we've got uh, Greta, or I guess you ought to say Greta. <laughs> and uh, we've got a big fucking... I don't know, what's that plaster? What, what is that thing made out of? I don't know. Some, some old, sort of statue Some, some old-ass statue in, in the in our town, yeah. And they dress it up. Yeah, in the winter, they put a fucking Santa hat on it, and they got the Grinch hanging out of the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the T-Rex theme is something that's real, uh, you know, uh, familiar. It goes with the Fruta area. Yep. And I just like it, man. I think it's cool. Yeah. yeah. I really do. I think it's cool. Logo. I think people, especially get like the... Kids will dig it, man. Yep. Little fucking T Rexes on their geese. Yep. Some patches and rash guards and all that shit, man. Holy shit, we're opening a jujitsu gym, man. Yep, just like that. Just like that. <laughs> Fuck yeah. It's funny, I can you just like like oh man, yeah. <laughs> just talking about that all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, this is real. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it is, man. It's cool. I still got so much shit to figure out. Like what are we gonna do for student tracking and building oh, yeah. and all that nonsense? So, again, it's, we'll figure it out. So, like you said, you can't see too many steps ahead. No, you gotta let the tour take a step and let the torch light the next step. That's it, man. I know. I'll be interested to hear your uh, 
your uh, curriculum. We'll take a look at your curriculum. That'll be some fun. We can discuss some of that shit on the podcast. Like, yep, sort it out. Yeah, there you go. I just, I just want to get. I got to get pen to paper. Just get it laid out and then bring it to you and just like discuss. Oh, what about this? Oh, let's fix this, this, and this. You know what I mean? Just yeah. You got to start somewhere though. Yes. And you and you just got to start somewhere. Okay, here we go. Here's the idea. Yeah. And then evolve from there. And That's then it. Piece it together from there. Right. Yeah. People get stuck because they think they got to make the perfect. And thing. it's not gonna be perfect. No. That's, that's I fall into that trap a lot. Like, oh, I'm, as soon as I put that pen to paper, this is it. It's got to be perfect. I yeah. Know. I got it. I I'm more saying this out loud just to reassure myself. Like, <laughs> just fucking get it down and go for it. Yeah. And go from there. Yeah. It'll yeah. be a work in progress yeah. like anything else. But yeah, it'll be interesting, man. I'm really like that. Just kind of that, the, the ability to develop systems and again, cause I was, you know, I definitely, uh, connect with the way like, you know, Don and her see shit and the systems based approach. And, I feel like that really helped my uh, jiu-jitsu just kind of seeing, um, you know, jiu-jitsu the way that he talks about it. And so, yeah, I, you know, I think I said this last episode, like I, it's going to be interesting because like I know like my training is, is going to be different, but I'm kind of jealously looking forward to it because I think it's going to help my overall jiu-jitsu a ton because you can't help it. Like if you're really trying to figure out how do I help, you know, these people get better at jiu-jitsu, like you can't help but get a little bit better. Just get a better understanding of shit. Well, just learning how to explain stuff to people. And yeah. I, I had a perfect example of that before we left the facility. Now, I was showing your boy Z, who's six years old, how to do something with my dog. Try to make my dog do the down. Right. And I tried to show him. I So I showed him like the hand motion of taking your hand to the ground. And so at first it was just outcome based. So then I saw him try it by himself. And he was just taking his hand to the ground and thinking the dog was going to understand what he wanted. Well, so then I had to back up and explain, well, hey, you're taking your hand to the ground to make the dog follow your hand yeah. to the ground. It's not just putting your hand on the ground. The dog doesn't know what that message means. Well, man, that that is a challenge. Teaching a six-year-old how to teach a puppy. <laughs> like, right. Whew, like you really got to like back up, simplify it. This is why you're doing it. This is how you do it. And like, but then it happened real fast. But that is that process wrapped into that simple little example right there. Like, yeah. Ah. Yeah, how do you that get was outcome based. That? that was I had to show him no. Here, okay, you are doing the right outcome, but you're not doing it with the right reason. Right. And then once you show, then I saw I saw his little brain click. Oh yeah, this is the reason you're doing it. Right. It still was kind of a screwed up interpretation of it, but we were a lot closer to the end result. Yeah, you at least put funny. it in their head, man. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, yeah, it may take a little longer to teach, but yeah. I know I was thinking about that. Guy uh, we were rolling yesterday, in one of our white belts. And, um, I mean, we were just kind of talking about this earlier, but dude, he was, you know, he was working something and I could tell, like he was working it and he knew it and, you know, he'd just come back from competing. So he's feeling pretty good. And, and, uh, and then I unraveled just one little piece of it and I just saw everything just mentally, everything just went to shit. He's like, Oh fuck, you know? And, and it was like, but you're doing so goddamn good. And it was just as soon as I unraveled one little piece because you didn't quite understand, you know, well, what was that foot doing? You know, okay, well, now what, or how do I, yeah, just, just why am I lowering my hand to the ground? It's not just putting my hand to the ground. It's like, why am I doing that? And, uh, but yeah, that's that balancing act, that tension between over explaining shit and oversimplifying yeah. it. But I do believe, man, in that whole, this one of the, that Occam's razor uh, concepts actually one they talk about in the book in the light 
And the reason you've probably heard of that Occam's razor yeah, yep, yep. and you know, just the, the basic premise is that, you know, when you don't choose the simplest solution, like why do two steps if you can do one or, you know, right. and so, and that was the whole thing. And they called it uh, Occam's razor because back in the day they used to uh, record stuff on animal hides. And if you wanted to erase something, you had to take a razor and scrape the high to erase the word and so it's actually Occam's eraser would be like the modern interpretation of the uh, phrase yeah because what he did is went in and was like erased a bunch you know well why do we have this 20 step thing you know when we could get away with five you know like why do we have that and I was like that was his whole thing was just putting a ruthless you know uh you know, just looking at everything through, the, through that ruthless efficiency of like, there. Ha why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Can we, you know, why can we not just do this way and just boiling things down and making things simple? And so, uh, and I think that's what, dude, the ultimate goal of everything is that it's like, how can you simplify this? Like, how can you get this to, to where you can explain it to a six-year-old? Yep. And so, yeah, it's that that Occam's razor approach. And I think that's, again, like kind of what a lot of, uh, you know, like with Donaher, it, it seems, it's funny, like Donaher's systems, like they seem more complicated, but I don't think they are. I think they're, they, they simplify jujitsu for people because they, you don't have to remember a whole bunch of rules, right? It's like systems. And so you, it basically systems is just a way to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. And so once you understand the systems, like, like you're saying with the Kimura grip thing, right? Yep. I don't have to remember, is it monkey grip or C grip? You don't have to fucking remember, right? Like there's a system here and you just use what fits the system at the moment, which solves the problem at the moment. And so it makes it simpler rather than more complicated, right? Like you're... Remembering so much right. stuff. It's, it's, yeah, it's... Because you've seen some of his videos, right? It's, it's different actually, how he does it's, it. It's actually learning as opposed to just memorization. Yes, yeah, yeah. You're not here's thirteen different escapes. Right. It's like here's the principles, and you know, here's different ways to apply these principles. But it always goes back to these principles, and that's why his videos are eight hours long because <laughs> he keeps repeating the same goddamn things over and over. But you know, like Musashi said, he cannot leave it to you to grasp them yourself. Right. <laughs> He's got to say them a bunch of times. So, yeah, man, it'll be uh, it'll be fun figuring that shit it's out. It's a good adventure. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be good for uh, good for both of us. Like yep. you were saying, I was getting a little too comfortable. You got to seek out some discomfort. So, get a puppy and open a jujitsu gym. <laughs> Plenty of discomfort right there. Plenty of discomfort there. So, oh yeah, sweet. Yeah, man. Anything well, else? Yeah, I got nothing else. I didn't nothing. come in with any notes. This, no. is, this is podcast number two for the day for me. Oh, that's right. I know. Would you and uh. And Paul talk about man. Um, give us a little preview. Of the so, the so again, just to reiterate, is that my new podcast venture with Paul is called the Skeptic and the Pastor. Um, our the idea is we're both coming from two different ends of the thing. So I was brought up in a. Uh, my mom was very Catholic, very Christian, and anyway, that shit was forced down my throat. From a young child, you know, from kindergarten, I was going. We couldn't, we didn't have the money to go to a Catholic school. Right. They were pretty expensive. But uh, I still had to go to church class, catechism, every Wednesday night 
from kindergarten up to eighth grade. And still to this day, my mom's very involved in the church. She's in church two or three days a week. You know, it, it was just a thing. Yeah. And so come the age of 16 to where I couldn't forcibly be stuck into the car and taken to church anymore. And I stood my ground and I was willing to fight. I said, I'm not going anymore. That was the end of it. And so I had a really bad taste in my mouth of organized religion. Where Paul came from the other side to where he had no religion in his life until, and he was a real delinquent kid. And uh, his his own words where he feel like he was saved at the age of like 18, 19, or so I forget what, what age yeah. he was, and brought religion into his life. And it's been a very positive experience for him, a positive enough to where that's his career choice. I mean, he is the pastor of a church. Yeah. And that's what he does for a living. And so we've come in from different ends of it, and it's given me a sour taste in my mouth. I, I dislike organized religion strongly, and he really likes it, obviously. <laughs> but we get along great. Yeah. You know, he's a good dude, and so we're the, that's kind of the basis of it. I'm the skeptic, he's the pastor, and we're just going to talk about life. And kind yeah. of like, like conversations you and I have here, but it's going to be into our, our common ground for Paul and I is jiu-jitsu. We met seven, eight years ago through jiu-jitsu. And we both feel that's a really strong connection. And so just kind of how jiu-jitsu plays a role in life and church plays a role in his life and where we meet in the middle and where we disagree and have those conversations. Yeah. So uh, today was just kind of an intro. You know, we didn't we didn't get into any serious conversation today. Just no, telling no. me about myself, him saying about himself, giving a little history of jiu-jitsu, blah, blah, blah. And we kind of spun off and went down some rabbit holes here and there. But we talked for about an hour or so and then we wrapped it but. So today was just a little intro. Yeah, man. Go from there. I want in on one of them. Oh, I'm sure you will be. For him. <laughs> no, I, I, I was I was curious because uh, um, he said something when we had him on that I wanted to follow up with him on about just how he doesn't feel uh, like a lot of times he doesn't feel like he feels out of place when he's in church, you know, just because like he's not you know, just because of his background, just who he is, right? So, like, you're, uh, you wouldn't necessarily be someone that, you know, the church people would, you know, oh. And so, you know, I've always felt that too. And so, again, that's one of those things that, like, I struggled with. And especially, like, part of it is, like, you know, I smoke weed. And, like, that's a real big thing, right? Like, you know, in, in, in the, in church like smoking weed is not viewed favorably you know and it may, it may be more neutral but like it's definitely not like uh I, I, in general right like you mm-hmm. may find your your fucking rastafarian churches here and there but in general that's just one of those things that is it still has that weird um stigma stigma attached to it and so like i always feel like a giant hypocrite in church Knowing that, like, you know, I smoke weed and I cuss and, you know, I do these things that, uh, and, and so I'm surrounded by all these people that if they knew that, they wouldn't fucking look favorably upon me. And so you just feel out of place, right? It's like going into jujitsu with a purple belt on and realizing, you know, that you just fucking started yesterday or whatever, right? Like, you're fucking mm-hmm. lying. You know you're lying. Like, I don't want to roll with anyone because they're going to find out, like... I don't want to talk to anyone here, man. They're going to ask me something. They're going to know immediately. Like, oh, this guy's a fucking sinner. And so, but I was curious how he, I, I'd, I'd definitely like to uh, get in on one episode and just kind of see how he, because he not only got over it, I mean, he's, he's a fucking preacher. Yeah. 
So he obviously got over some of it, but it's, uh, which again is ironic, man, because the whole, like, you know, it, uh, Christianity wasn't started by a bunch of candy asses. Mm. You know, they're a bunch of fucking hard men. And, like, Jesus inspired these dudes to leave everything and follow him. Like, I don't know. You know, like, that's that's the thing that I, uh, you just, I don't know. Yeah, organized religion is one thing. And, but, like, yeah, it's a weird thing. Oh, but that right there, I mean, that's a, a lot of good conversations could be had. For sure. From that. You know, right there. And, that, and that's where him and I are at. Like, yeah, I think there's a lot of good things to just expound on and just share ideas. And Yeah. yeah he seems pretty excited about it. He, he seems pretty pumped that I had this idea. And so we're, we're running with it. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's good, man. Well, I'll look forward to the... Yeah, it's not all yet. We just recorded today. I, I mean, that is the very first step. We just had to make that first leap like we yeah. talked about. We recorded it. Boom. That, that part's done. Now I got to do the bullshit grunt work, you know, getting a Podbean account and blah, blah, blah. I, I, well, I, really, that's all. If you just set up a Podbean account and upload it. Yep. I mean, that's really, I mean, that's all we did to begin with. Yep. Is it free through Podbean? Yeah, you can pay? do a free one. Did we pay through Grumpy Guy? Did we pay? I think we did. I think we ended up paying like a yearly thing. Yeah. I got I to gotta look and see what the difference is. Yeah, I forget. I forget too. But I think they have. And if they don't, I mean, there are free ones. I forget what, um, I think Anchor. Mm-hmm. There's another one that, uh, so there are a couple out there that it's just like, you can host them for free, but, uh, yeah, just get them up and get them up and start, you gotta start somewhere, gotta start just get somewhere. them up and just, yeah, it's, I'm going to do all the steps, you know, get an email for us. I'm going to buy the domain name, yeah. the skeptic. That, that was part of our discussion today. Should it be the pastor and the skeptic or should it be the skeptic and the pastor? Mm-hmm. We just settled on the skeptic and the pastor, uh, Paul's reasoning was because it was my idea. Now I came to him with it. He's like, "Well, since you're the skeptic, you came with the idea. We'll put the skeptic first. I'm like, "All right, whatever." I was like, "I don't care either way." Yeah, I so it's better. It sells the first words more. Uh, what's the word? It's got more controversy behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I could see that. Yeah, so you're drawn in. Or who's skeptic? What's who's this? skeptic? Yeah, you, know, you see a preacher, and you're like, eh. "Yeah, yeah." So that's good. It's yeah, a good call. So. Like that. And I didn't swear on the whole episode. Wow. That's going to be my goal with that podcast between Paul and I. <laughs> the, the, it's so funny, man. And, you know, that way if he wants some of his, you know, relatives, friends, church people to listen to it, because it's going to be a, uh, a lot of religion discussion in there. I'm going to try to keep it as PC. And it's good. It's a good challenge for me. Yeah. Because I cuss like a sailor. You know, we both do pretty good. We've gotten a lot better. Let me throw out some fucking cuss words. <laughs> <laughs> it's so easy to do it is but, so it's a good challenge for me I'm pretty sure I made it through the whole episode between him and I without swearing I'm, but it's good it keeps me really engaged yeah and helps me share my thoughts without having to curse well it's like rolling with okay I'm not going to use this right word. exactly I'm not going to use that's <laughs> exactly it I'm not going to this cheap I'm not going to use this crutch that's right I'm not going to use this crutch fucking not rely on it yeah yeah that's uh it's good. It's funny when I do my bike James podcast, I do that. I don't, it's just something I got in the habit of. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. Cause again, man, you listen to me normally talk and I cuss all the time, <laughs> but I, I hit my bike James podcast where I'm doing one of my videos for bike James and 
I, I just don't cuss. Yeah. It's really weird, man. And, and I don't even have to consciously think about it anymore. It's just, this is not the context. Like, my, my brain flips a switch. And it's, it's weird how easy it is once you train it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is, uh, it is good to remember there are contexts where you don't want to be cussing. Like when we're coaching the kids. Yep, coaching the kids. You know, and then Kim and I were even just talking like for way down the road because we don't even know where this is going or what right. we're going to do with it. Kind of like Grumpy Guy, you know, we just, let's just do a podcast and we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah. That's kind of what him and I are doing. Let's do this podcast, see where it goes from there. And we're talking about, he's just throwing around the ideas today because through his church, you know, they're actually starting the, the breaking the, starting the groundwork on like building a recreational facility. Oh wow! You know, I mean, literally, they're very entry level. Like they got to survey the land, but he's like, maybe a year from now we'll have a facility. He's like, well then, he's like, man, we could do like kids bully proof programs through the church. You know, like why we have a vacation Bible camp. You know, you come in, teach like a couple hour kids anti bully seminar. He's like, and then that could feed, you know, Fruita BJJ. Oh, some of these kids come to the church that live out near Fruita. They they can oh. Oh, you guys are interested in jiu-jitsu. You know, we're not teaching a jiu-jitsu program at the church, but here's where you would go to learn it. Yeah. Your Grand Valley, Grand Valley or, Valley or, or whatever, BJJ yeah. or whatever. You know, so we just started talking about that, you know, and, you know, just things like just snowballing like that. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Well, it's fun. This is, uh, you are taking an advantage of what Nassim calls an anti-fragile small bet. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the whole thing. Like he, uh, you're making a small bet. You know you're not, it's not a huge investment. It's not like your livelihood or something crazy is going to happen if this doesn't work out. But something could happen something from could. it. So, you know, and that, that's the whole secret to leading an interesting life is uh, being willing to make a lot of small bets. Knowing that a lot of them aren't going to work out. But, you know, some of them are going to be pretty cool. But every once in a while you're going to hit on something like really interesting and if you didn't, if you don't you know, try, you don't know. Yeah, if you don't try, but that's again, it's a, it's a mindset. That's why I was, uh, that's why I was like fucking laughing, man, when I realized, like, holy shit, Rob is talking to someone else and doing a venture. <laughs> like, I've rubbed off on you so fucking hard, man, and it is awesome. Like, I'm glad to see it because it, it literally does in my mind. And again, I don't, I don't know, but it just, it was, it seemed like an interesting mindset shift to you that you not only look at you know, ventures outside of your own job. Like, what what can I do outside of here? What small bets can I make? But like, I'm going to try and get other people to do this too. <laughs> you know, because like, that's all it is. Like, Paul hadn't thought about it, right? Yeah. Like, Paul's, he's running his, his church. And so if you don't have that, uh, if you don't see it, man, it's like the old, the arrow in the FedEx logo, right? Yeah. If you don't know it's there, you don't see it. You don't see it. As soon as you see it, you can't not see it. You can't not see it. And so now, yeah, that's the thing. Like now that you see like, oh man, there's like, there's there's all sorts of little opportunities that that you can do. And I don't know what the fuck will happen from it, but whatever. And, uh, and yeah, it's cool though. Cause it is a, a, a better way to look at the world. I think cause it gives it way more possibility, man. Instead of thinking like, this is it. Like my current position today, my current job, my current prospects, this is it. That's it. This is it. Or, you know, the other thing is like going to school, right? Like I think that's the thing that if you feel stuck and you're trying to like figure out how to get out of your rut or whatever, it's like, oh, I got to go back to school. 
I got to get a degree so I can work in another field or do this thing. And it's like, it's a lot of fucking time and money, you know, like what can you do today is, you know, what small bet can you make on something, whether it's even just yourself, right? Like, yeah, listen, there's so many fucking things you can do, but if you don't look at it that way, and that's what's so great about jujitsu, man, bringing it back. Cause that's the, you know, you fucking come in that first day and you're making a small bet, like, okay, what's going to come from this? And, but if you don't do it, if you don't walk in there that first day, the first step, right? It's just like anything else. You don't know where you're going to end up. It's like, I'm sure the first day you took your first jujitsu class, I'm sure you had no clue you'd be in Fruit of Colorado recording a podcast, talking about opening a gym, you know? Now I'm doing a podcast with a pastor. Right, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You have no clue where this shit's going to lead you. And it all led to this. Yeah. In one way or another. Fuck yeah, man. It's exciting. It is, man. see. It is, so. So do jujitsu. Do jujitsu. Bottom line, do jujitsu, man. It will make your life better. That's right. Universal basic jujitsu. Universal basic jujitsu. That's right. That's right. Andrew Yang, you and your universal basic income. We yeah. got universal basic jujitsu. It'll be much better for everyone. Yep. So. Cool, man. Good place to end it. I think so. I That's about like, all I got. Pee like a racehorse, anyway. So. All right. Cool. All right, man. Well, see you guys later. We'll see y'all. Uh, yeah, be December. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Grumpy Guy BJJ podcast. Thank you all for listening. You can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Please make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help and will allow us to keep putting out episodes. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas, hit us up at grumpyguybjj at gmail.com. Also, go to our website, grumpyguybjj.com, and get signed up for podcast updates and get our free BJJ Improvement Starter Kit. That's it for now. So get on the mat, train hard, and talk to you all next week. Die!